Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 440. This week on the podcast, after his home's FBI raid, Trump turned on his beloved Richard Nixon. Is there no longer such a thing as loyalty? Plus, Trump pled the fifth 440 times in Tish James's corruption investigation, which, according to his own 2016 words, means he's guilty. Congrats to Tish and good game. And the Democrats finally embraced the puppies and rainbows bill naming strategy. Plus, elections. Against all odds, they're still happening. And the CDC thinks it's fine if you want to cough on the elderly. Everybody ultimately dies anyway, right? We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey, y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Yes. You Quick guys. update. I heard your concerns, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got my monkeypox vaccine. All week, people are approaching me like, tell Brent to just go and get his monkeypox vaccine. What is going on? People were very, very concerned. You know, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, no. Thank it, you, dear listener. You're beloved by the listeners of Brain Trust Live. All of them were really concerned about this. Several of them were concerned that you're too much of a rule follower. Yeah. Which is a classic Brent Thornburg I thing know. to do. I always hate to find that out about myself. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, and several were like, Brent of Brain Trust Live is <laughs> yeah. a rule follower? I know. That's Brent, you guys. I know. <laughs> In any case, everyone can rest assured <sighs> that Boy. Brent Hila- made it to the finish line. I have a really hilarious story, too, which I feel like is worth sharing because we're about to talk about CDC guidelines yes. here. But I was in a, what was a very long line, surprise, even though yeah. I got there very early. Probably, I don't know, 75 people in it, maybe, oh, yeah. at that point. Like, it was going around the block. And somebody from inside comes out and was like, you have to put on your mask before you get inside. Before you get it to this healthcare setting right. in which you're at. Which <laughs> is still mandated in California, by the way. To which there was an audible groan from the unmasked line. Right. People had to go to their cars. People were asking other people in line if they had spare masks in their cars or on them. People were asking me because I was already wearing mine in the line because... Well, you don't want to get monkeypox if it turns out it's airborne. You don't want to get COVID in the line. Hello? You don't want to get polio in the line, which apparently we're worried about now. I mean, there's a million reasons to, in in a vaccine line, to wear a mask. But I was like... Is that not the story of where we're at right now? It, it couldn't be more the story. It's only going to get more the story, too. God. And this, let this be a moment to remind everyone that you are entitled to take more precautions than the government is telling you <laughs> that you need to take. Entitled and... Encouraged. Encouraged. <laughs> right. It just, it feels like people have forgotten that, like, they are still allowed to wear a mask if yeah. they, even if the government mandates have disappeared. There are times... Where I have been with people who have said to me, yes, this does seem like a place where you'd want a mask, but they're not masked because they don't have to be. And I'm like, you could just wear one, though. Yeah. If you, there's no rules. Yeah. Once there's no rules, there's actually no rules. Yeah. So do anything. Yeah. Let's talk about the CDC new guidelines, and then we'll give you updates about ourselves. Because yeah. this leads directly into a conversation it that does. we need to have with all of you. <laughs> right. Which is... The CDC released new guidelines this week ahead of the return to schools. Right. They didn't release new guidelines so much as they said... Hey, remember our previous guidelines. Right. Don't worry about them anymore. JK on all of them. They are, quote, meeting people where they are, (laughs) which is the opposite of what you do as a public health official. Where they are is still dying of COVID. Correct. And also where they are is in a place where they don't have access to public health guidance or information. So like meeting people where they are when they, that they were talking about are not, it's not scientists. Well, right. It's not doctors. At the beginning of the pandemic, where I was, was at work. That's right. And then, they, and then the CDC, famously, 
Right, said, met you where you weren't. Maybe said, don't go to work. That's right. So, like, they are the people who can tell us where we should and should not be. Right. They Where we are is is determined by <laughs> where the CDC thinks we should be yeah, and not right. where we think the CDC should be. But yeah, apparently, right. they are now very insecure about their own role and <laughs> have decided to meet us wherever we feel like being. And by the way, yeah. no one feels like being in a pandemic. So apparently, we're not in one anymore. <laughs> so, good news. We did it. We did it. According to their new guidance... No one needs to worry about exposure. If you've been exposed to COVID, just go ahead and cough on anyone you want. Also, right, and and they removed any of that. You know, there used to be different guidance between vaccinated people and unvaccinated right. people, and that that's gone. Not anymore. It turned right. out people where people were was some of them didn't want vaccines. So who are we to say <laughs> that they can't murder us by coughing on us with a deadly illness that we don't understand? Right. Um, so there's also a lot of new guidance around schools, which is to say that there's a lot of uh, removed guidance removed around schools, guidance. which is yeah. to say that schools can just do anything that they damn well please, but they're encouraged to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and also, the one thing that they should do is they should consider not punishing people for wearing masks. Can you believe that that's part of the That guidance? is in the guidance. It literally says schools and ECE programs should consider flexible, non-punitive policies and practices to support individuals who choose to wear masks. You have got to be kidding me. Oh, boy. Here's just a polite thing as a human for me to you. If people around you want to be paranoid about a, an illness that maybe made them very sick and didn't make you very sick, and maybe right. we don't understand very well. Or maybe well, that they lost a loved one from. Right. Or, uh, it's, why not just let them be uncomfortable? Let people If live. other people want to be uncomfortable, that's not your business. No. I am choosing to be as uncomfortable as possible in any public environments because yep. I would like to protect myself from COVID considering that I ended up quite, <clears throat> quite ill from it in the long run. Right. Um, that's really not anyone else's choice or problem. Yeah. Me not being able to breathe well in a mask is really only my business. Yeah. Because people do come up to you a lot when you're in masks in places and they're like, don't you find it hard to breathe in those? I've been finding yeah. a lot of people come up to me out of concern. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm asthmatic. I've never been able to breathe. I'm, I could... <laughs> I could go, I could run a marathon with an asthma attack right now. So like, I'm not that worried about my ability to breathe or not yeah, breathe yeah. in this mask. It feels totally normal to me. But also yeah. what a weird way to frame your concern. No. In any case, with that new CDC guidance, we got new FDA guidance about testing guidelines. <laughs> this is hilarious, you guys. Apparently, if we're exposed to COVID, according to the CDC, if we're exposed to COVID, we should do nothing. Nothing. According right. to the FDA, we should not just test once, but test three times, because we can't confirm the accuracy of one test. Right. Over the span of six days, because it's that's one right. test every 48 hours. That's right. So, like, I'm a, you know... So that's $40 in tests that you should take every time you're exposed, according to the FDA. But right. according to the CDC, you shouldn't even worry if you're exposed. Also, you should cough anywhere. Right. And also, you might be hospitalized by day six. Right. <laughs> so there's, there's that, additionally. But as long as you're not hospitalized right. with co confirmed yeah. COVID, yeah. then they don't have to worry about any protocols. But also take, take three tests that we are not going to send to you. That's right. If you <laughs> We're feel, done sending you tests. If you were exposed to COVID, go ahead and spend the upwards of $40 to obtain three tests. Yeah. Likely more, depending on whether your Ralph's is having a sale or not. Ours <laughs> right. was today, so right. that's We good went news. to Ralph's specifically for <laughs> right. a COVID test sale. <laughs> did Listen. we buy chips and ices while we, we were there? Of course right. we did. Also, there was BOGO sunscreen. No, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a pretty exciting it's day at Ralph's. All, Ralph's. Yeah. free for all. <laughs> But in any case, <clears throat> go ahead, spend the upwards of $40 to take three tests if the FDA is your agency of choice. <laughs> right, exactly. If you're more of a CDC person, just, then just don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Yeah, Until, the, the CDC option is the more cost-effective option. That's right. Until you are literally like 
on a gurney being <laughs> carted into a hospital, then yeah. feel carry free. on. Feel free to carry on. <laughs> right. visit, yeah. visit the elderly. Visit family. Right. Head into schools. I mean, for sure. <laughs> Go ahead and be around children. That's fine. Why, oh, ride the subway funny. if you feel. <laughs> it's not funny. When you make this into a quote-unquote personal assessment, yeah. what you find is that people don't have the tools to make an accurate personal assessment. Yeah. So you're sentencing certain people to death. And these are not, by the way, when you see people out and about unmasked, a lot of these are not people that don't want to be doing the right thing. Well, that's what I was going to say. You can't really begrudge, especially now, at people for right. not doing the right thing. I mean, there are certainly people who are like out there being like, I don't give a shit about this. Don't You can't tell me what to do. Like, there are those people. But like, there are, you that's know, not people who most that people I, are. people I know that are smart people who just sort of like don't keep up on this specific thing, who sort right. of like probably went back to work earlier. You know, we found out months after they said five days that like something like 70% of people were still shedding virus on day six, right? So like, it, granted, right. like that was just bad guidance that we had. But like, people were going back to work after five days, even though if you really read that guidance, it was that if you had symptoms, you weren't supposed to be going back right, to work. But, but the news so, didn't it report it that of, way. Right, so like, there's the, the, the clarity on this has never been good. And so maybe they just decided instead of being clear, like it was just easier to... Do nothing. To do nothing. To be irrelevant. Um, but like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like you can't... There's, there's well-intentioned people who are out there, yeah. you know, just being like, just following the seat, following the signs. That's right. Following the, science. following the science. Yeah. Because that's what the Biden administration is promised us that they were going exactly. to do. Exactly. And when you actually talk to the science itself, which <laughs> is what you, you have to like dig into the dark web these days to do, what you find is the science is not saying any of this. Yeah. The science is still showing us that hundreds of people die every day of COVID. Yeah, like 6,000 people died last week. Right. The science is showing that community transmission is incredibly high everywhere in the country right yeah. now. The science we is showing- We just in LA just got down to um, medium or right. whatever, moderate. Yeah. Um, the the science is showing that people are developing long-term debilitating illnesses that, by the way, I don't know if you guys have ever had a chronic illness, but the health insurance situation in this country is not set up to take care of you. Yeah. This is not following the science. No, this is meeting science. people where they are. And where they are is in a place where they don't haven't had access to the science in a long time. <laughs> right. You guys, be careful yeah. out there. And yeah. if, you, if you can get a vaccine for something, the social contract's broken. Don't worry about the rules. <laughs> right. Just get one. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. With that in mind, yeah. First of all, my new podcast, yeah, podcast which what, is still related because of is, the guests that you're having this week. That's right. What can I do? Launch this week, and we have our first episode with guests next week, launching on Wednesday or this week. Yeah, I guess, this the, week. the yeah. 17th. seventeenth. The first guests are marked by the founders of Marked by COVID. We had Kristen on this show a few she months was ago. Great. So she I was imagine great. She's going to be great on your podcast. Yeah, and Christine, who founded Marked by COVID with her, in, is it comes on to what can I do with her, and they talked a, a lot about how they first strategized around doing something, what their first moves were, how they even came to be in a position where they felt they needed to do something. It's a really interesting conversation. It's incredibly informative. And it's also like very inspiring when you're somebody who feels like an issue that you are facing in your community is not being addressed correctly. It's a good example of how you can just decide that you're going to do something and, and, and kind of create the plan in, in the wake of an action as yeah. opposed to feeling like you don't know enough. Yeah. It's a really great conversation. Highly recommend. It's on all of the podcast places that you can get podcasts and also yeah. whatcanidopodcast.com. Yeah. Related, so to that. by the way. If, yes. you, if you share a similar level of rage that Lyle and I just conveyed about the CDC guidelines right. or, or are a person who feels like you don't have all of the information that you have about what some of those things are, they are yeah, doing the Lord's work on Twitter. Yes. Uh, March by COVID and Kristen Urquiza. Yeah. Both of them. They uh, are doing great work. Good Twitter you follows. should follow both of them. Yeah. With that, let's, let's talk about Trump. Let's dive in. Because we've got a few deep dives here. 
We sure do. Yeah, this is a good podcast, by the way. Yes. I mean, it always is. But I feel <laughs> Let like... Let us say that before we dive in. You know, but I feel like, you know, you know, we like to have fun on this podcast. Okay. And this will still be fun. But I feel like we've got two sort of like big stories that we really actually... I certainly have never researched anything as much as short of... I, I did a lot of research short of reading that entire 700-page bill on the IRA, which we're going to get to in a second. And then you did a similar level of research on Trump being raided by the FBI. So settle in, guys. First of all, this was an amazing news week (laughs) because we had several just like grand reveals over the course of the week that unfolded in a way that I feel like was almost scripted by Hollywood. It was so good. Yeah. We are living in a spy movie right now. Yeah. And it's like, a comedy spy movie yeah. a little bit, but it's also... A com- yeah, it's like, a, it's a, it's like, like an a mis- action comedy. Yeah, it's, right, exactly. Yeah, um, with a little Mr. Magoo mixed in, I think. A lot of Mr. Magoo <laughs> is involved. Yeah. But in any case, on Monday, <clears throat> we were given the gift of some excitement because Trump suddenly announced, not on Twitter because he's not on Twitter, but on his... Truth. S- on Truth, his <laughs> special social media platform that's fake Twitter, um, that the FBI had raided Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. They were there like all day. Naturally, he released a written statement um, that claimed that it was politically motivated. <laughs> sure. Because um, that's the kind of mature thing he would do. The White House claimed they were not given a heads up about this. This was all the AG, you know, and the FBI. So yeah. Merrick Garland was at the helm here. Um, but in any case, Trump's statement said, these are dark times for our nation. As my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. He went on to talk about how the raid was unannounced and then added in a... Well, yeah, you don't announce a raid. (laughs) Right? Um, And then added in what quickly became a meme. They even broke into my safe. Well, that's that's where you go. That's where where people are keeping their documents. But then he compared it to Watergate in a confusing twist, since he is currently under a Watergate-style investigation of his own wrongdoing. Um, What's the difference between this and Watergate? Some might contend... Very little. Very little. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he said, what is the difference between this and Watergate, where operatives broke into the Democratic National Committee? Here, in reverse, the Democrats broke into the home of the 45th president of the United States. That's confusing, I feel like. That's a a narrative that I don't know that I'm fully following as to, like, why this is bad. I love... So there are a few funny things that were going on here. One was that he kept going on about how Nixon's FBI has come full circle, as if he's not, like, the world's largest Richard Nixon fan. <laughs> they're all really mad at the FBI right. right now. And so they've decided to turn the, this, right. they, they're calling this a Nixonian FBI right. effort as if they have not been propping up the memory of Richard Nixon this entire time. His, one of his closest aides has a Richard Nixon tattoo. That's right. Lest we forget. This is a Roger full, Stone. <laughs> a, a full back tattoo of the face of Richard Nixon. Right. So like, these are people who love Richard Nixon. That's so right. that's confusing. Yeah. It's like he's just relying on any political symbolism he can think of off the top of his head. And he's of an era where Watergate was a big deal. So he's like, we'll call it Watergate. People are mad about Watergate still. Everyone hates Watergate. So they're going on about that. It's crazy because there have been so many Watergate comparisons floating around because of the January 6th committee. But that, of course, positions... Or the the other times that he was, you know, twice impeached. Right. (laughs) Lest we forget about those times. Lest we forget about the impeachment times. But I mean, like, there have been so many Watergate references that have been made... To him as the criminal, him as the crook. Right. That this is just such a confusing <laughs> twist on yeah. the Richard Nixon narrative. Well, if there was if there was a narrative this week, it was Donald Trump and the entirety of the GOP being 
very confused about where they were on this. I mean, they... <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit. But I mean, like, they did not know where to fall on this. They, and they, they fell on seven different places because it kept changing by the hour. Well, and that's... What was so amazing about this week is it starts... And, like, anyone who is a person who thinks anything that isn't crazy was like, oh, God, if they raided Mar-a-Lago, like, something... Some shit was going down. <laughs> right. Like, you would not make the political calculation to do that unless, right. it, unless you were certain you were getting critical information. Yeah. So we're all sitting around thinking about that. This whole thing, by the way, not even related to the January 6th committee. Nothing having to do with January 6th. It was related to the National Archives, of all things. <laughs> there had been this ongoing Justice Department probe into whether Trump violated laws because he brought 16 boxes of White House records to Mar-a-Lago and then never returned them. And so those were supposed to be in the National Archives. It included documents marked as classified. Um, and my favorite thing about this is that his... Uh, Apparently, he had declared a policy of deciding that documents that were taken to Mar-a-Lago were no longer classified, just by nature of them being at Mar-a-Lago. So there's documents marked as top secret and classified yeah. in these boxes. We, we know that on Monday. Right, at the, the highest security level. At box. the highest security level. Right, we found out. Yeah. Right. And that's, so we know that on Monday. And apparently, Trump's team is out here being like, no, but they weren't classified because Trump had decided that things in right. Mar-a-Lago aren't classified. Yeah. So that was hilarious. By the way, Trump wasn't there. He was at Bedminster. That's where he spends the summer. So Trump is just like tweeting from Bedminster about yeah. all of this. Well, but, that's, that's why they went also when they did. Right, they because knew they, they knew he there. wouldn't be there. Yeah. Now, the other great thing that happened on Monday was that Axios published photos that said they corroborated some reporting from before that Trump had been flushing papers down the White House toilet, <laughs> which is amazingly predictable, but also like so hilariously bad. And then Stephanie Grisham, Trump's former press secretary, had said that he did not handle classified documents properly. I watched him go through documents, throw some away, rip some up, and put some in his pocket. <laughs> so that's how he's handling classified documents. Um, isn't he a um, isn't he a paper terror? I mean, he, we yes. know that he, but, he right, often tears papers right? for no reason. He just like doesn't like papers or like ones that and just like rips them up. He does it as a dramatic move when he's done reading a paper. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it that that really goes along with the kind of guy who this would guy. throw his lunch at a wall, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So then, because of all this crazy blowback from the right, because immediately the right is like defund the FBI. Sure. Got very lost about where they were on the issue of defunding right. police. I, I want I want to take a brief. Yes. Detour here that's related, and I won't belabor it too long because we're I on a roll here. But, like, do that. Yeah, right? go ahead. When, right. I mean, when we were talking about defunding the police, we were talking about the FBI. When we were saying all cops are bastards, we were talking about the FBI. That's... So, like, I know sometimes it's hard to feel like you're in bed with Marjorie Taylor Greene, but a broken clock is right twice right. a day. So we, Did she we, get there by accident? Sure. So if you were a person who were like, no, we have to give the FBI all the money and make sure that they're continued to be funded just because you disagreed with Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. They're the national police, you guys. <laughs> they are the police. So, the FBI are the police. Right. So keep keep out there with your defunding the FBI. It's and my like, favorite... agree with Mar Sometimes you have to agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene, and that's troublesome it, sometimes. Take but. that as a sign that she was accidentally agreeing with you and not <laughs> right, the other exactly. way around. You're not yeah. agreeing with Marjorie Taylor <laughs> no. Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene came to where you already were. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But okay. so in any case, the, yeah, the best part about this is just that the entire right is out there tweeting about how we need to defund the FBI and what is the FBI do? Like, these are people who have been trying to shove money at cops that cops don't even need all for all right. of the last few years. Right. And, and ran an entire election campaign against Democrats because they once, because one of them said to right. defund the police. <laughs> right. the, one, the most hated Democrat on earth by other Democrats right. wanted to defund the police. No, yeah. exactly. So that's just like a little side benefit of what's going on here. Yeah. But Merrick Garland finally like 
gets up and delivers a statement, a surprise statement, which is a real turn of events. Totally. Because Trump is out here, they're they're spreading a bunch of lies, claim you know, claiming that they have no evidence that this is illegal, that there was that they didn't right. have a real warrant, like all these things, because that's right. what Trump would do. And Merrick Garland has right. to get out there and be like, fine, if you want to play this game, we will unseal the warrant. Yeah. The ball's in your court. Right. Which he did have. He did have. Obviously. No, they were you, Trump was given the warrant. Yeah, Trump was given the warrant. So he could have released that. Yeah. And so as soon as Merrick Garland was like, I'll release it, everybody was like, oh no, don't release it. Right. <laughs> but before Merrick Garland said, I'll release it, they people were, just were being like, well, don't release it. You know, like they've been yeah. like, before he said to do it, they said, don't do it. And then afterwards he was like, oh no, you can't do it. You know, I mean, like they've been like very confused about like whether they want the warrants released Right. Whether what's in the warrant is good or bad or what, like they they don't know what to well, do. Well, they didn't to know the what point to where do. They've been canceling. They can't. They canceled news conferences. Remember yes. this week, the the Freedom Caucus was going to have a right. news conference, and then the warrant came out, and they were like, "Just kidding, oh. we're not doing a news conference." Like, well, I mean, they they don't know where they're supposed to be. Because at. the most amazing thing on earth, <laughs> that was also the most predictable thing on earth, happened, which is that Trump finally did unseal the warrant. Because the Justice Department was like, go ahead. You have the warrant. You have it. Tell it. Yeah. I mean, you already told everyone about the secret raid. No one <laughs> needed to know about this either. Right. Because that's the thing. is no one needed to know about this. The Justice Department was not going to report about right. this raid. Trump himself told us about the raid. <laughs> right. And once he did, Merrick Garland was like, well, if you already told them about the raid, go ahead right. and show them the warrant. I don't fucking care. He also told us what was in the search warrant before it was official, right. officially released, right? Because there were yeah. then we found out there were, like, there were reports. I think right. the Washington Post broke it that one of the things that was in there was that he had stolen nuclear secrets. That's right. Right? And then he tweeted something to the effect, I can't remember, we don't have it in front of us, from Truth Social, where he was like, you know, Obama did the same thing. Right? right? Remember, he was like, yes. uh, many people say Obama took a lot of nuclear codes. Right? <laughs> or something ridiculous like that or whatever. And so then we're like, oh, well, he definitely took the nuclear codes. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, there was a someone who is literally like a BuzzFeed person that I follow from like years past who was... Who tweeted something to the effect of like, why didn't everyone just put him on Fox News for an hour uninterrupted? He would have told us what was in the boxes. <laughs> right. He would happily share all of this with us by accident. Yeah. Just give him an hour to talk uninterrupted into a camera. We'll know <laughs> right. all the secrets. Oh, right. We'll know the nuclear codes. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> right. So in any case, so on Thursday night, we get some bombshell mm. reporting. Yeah. Which is that there are nuclear secrets in, in and amongst these documents. Yeah. Everyone freaks out. And that's when suddenly everything has to be canceled. Because suddenly the right is like, oh, wait a minute. Are we people who are against nuclear secrets getting shared or right. not? Where do we stand on the nuclear secrets thing? Yeah. The warrant is officially unsealed on Friday. It reveals that the uh, FBI is investigating Donald Trump for violations of the Espionage Act. Well, right. Well, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people are sort of like, yes, he still has to be tried for these crimes. Of course. Right? But like... For them to have issued this warrant, like you have to have probable cause for a warrant, right? So like, obviously some people think that they know what it is that he had and that that would be a fucking problem. Yes. Right? So it's like, I think you can, while sure he has to go to trial, I suppose. Yes. But like, you can make some assumptions that like, what was in there was bad. Well, here's the thing also. Trump is just doing what any movie... He, his actions are what any movie villain would do. <laughs> and what a movie villain would do who's Donald Trump right now is sell nuclear secrets to Saudi to the Saudis in Russia. Yeah, of course. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I don't need him to go to trial to know <laughs> right. that in my heart. I'm, I, I want the legal system to work it out, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course. But like, we know in our hearts what he did. Yes, right. Once, yeah. we knew, once nuclear secrets were in the offing, we know well, what the oh, next thing is. We see what's were. going on here. Yeah, yeah. That's, there was no... So he's out here claiming that he just had the power to declassify these because he was the president. Which is also, that's not correct, that's, by the way. Well, it's not only not correct, but it's not even how his office has done things in the past. Right. Because oh, right. That's right. Yeah. In, uh, right before the election, uh, Mark Meadows declared in court 
that even though Trump had tweeted that all Russian probe-related materials would be declassified, that they couldn't be because that wasn't really a, an official thing. <laughs> so in the past, they have been like Trump randomly declaring things declassified is not even a policy of our administration. Yeah. Um, but now they're claiming that just because he had decided that things that are at Mar-a-Lago are by their very nature declassified. Right. It's yeah. too amazing. But I do think in, in some of those levels of classification, I do think that it's actually not the president who no, it's, decides. No, yes, it's correct. not. Yeah. Yeah, so. and, and these are things, these are punishable by jail time or at fines at the very minimum. I mean, these, yeah. are, these are real problems. I also loved that what the original House caucus came up with as messaging for this was if the FBI can raid a U.S. president, imagine what they can do to you, which was tweeted by Elise Stefanik, among several other GOP yeah. officials. And like, the thing is that I don't, I didn't steal any nuclear secrets. No. So I actually don't need to imagine this yeah. because if they can do this to a U.S. president who stole nuclear secrets, which <laughs> right. is important context here, yeah. then I actually don't think that relates to me at all. <laughs> right. I think that's unrelated to, I haven't stolen any secrets. So, and then my yeah. other favorite thing, was the other messaging they decided so that they could tie it into how terrible the IRA was um, because they were also trying to message against the Democrats, oh, yeah. you know, right. uh, infrastructure bill. Money to hire IRS was agents. that they were going to hire 87,000 IRS agents. And if the FBI can do this to a U.S. president, imagine what they'll do with 87,000 new IRS <laughs> agents, which is just like, they're coming for us, you guys, apparently. But then, like, so many other crazy things happen. Like, first of all, somebody tried to shoot up an FBI office, um, a January 6th participant, obviously. Yeah, obviously. So that was a problem. And then, in the very same week as this Mar-a-Lago raid, which I want to stress, and I cannot stress enough, has nothing to do with the January 6th committee, yeah. which is also an amazing confluence of Trump breaking yeah. the law events. Trump had to go and give a deposition in the Tish James New York State investigation into his corruption. Right. Which doesn't also, also doesn't have which anything to do unrelated. with January 6th. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, these are like, what's amazing about this is that we are on hiatus right now from the January 6th committee. Like, right. season two starts in September. <laughs> right. And so we are like getting the gift of continuing like the, Trump scandals, even as the, the made-for-TV committee right. hearings this is like are, the, not, um, are off the this air. This is like the ancillary content. Yes. You know, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, and it's like... Or the, pre the prequel or this, the... Some... This is going to be amazing when the January 6th committee hearings start up again, because oh, everyone is going to have spent all summer hearing about what a criminal Donald Trump is. And then they're going to be like, Donald Trump's a criminal. And everyone's going to be yeah, like, he got, yeah. He got no reprieve while right. January 6th was on hiatus. And he did, he also didn't get good ratings. Like all of this is, there's no ratings to any of these. <laughs> no, I know. In any case. So he goes to um, be questioned by Tish James, James's office. Yeah. And uh, by the way, reminder, Tish James has already screwed him once. That's right. I mean, screwed him by way of the law. I mean, right. you know, I mean, like, she, she, right. She, <laughs> right. prosecuted him successfully or whatever, but like, she's the one law who words. dissolved the Trump foundation. Exactly. Right? Yes. Uh, like, this is, like, yeah, she, and Tish James is out. not to be trifled with. She's out to get him. Yeah, right. And yeah. she's, this has been her, like, this is how she is continuing to be the attorney general. <laughs> right. People was, yeah. love her in yeah. New York State. And remember, she won a very contentious primary. Right. She was not the progressive choice. She was not the choice, progressive choice. Like, and so, people are... Here Everybody for Tish James right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, so a court had ordered that he actually did have to be questioned by her office, even though he had been trying to get out of it forever. Yeah. So he pled the fifth. He said same answer more than 440 times <laughs> over four hours. Um, and it was asked about things like, you know, the valuations of his real estate assets and his golf clubs and various mortgage and loan documents and the size of his apartment, stuff like that. Um, but I feel like it's important to note that back in 2016, Trump is on the record suggesting that people who cite the Fifth Amendment when being questioned mm. are definitively guilty of something. Yeah. 
Now he sends he now he says he understands why people do it. <laughs> he also on Wednesday in a social media post on Truth Social mm-hmm. um, accused Tish James of being racist, <laughs> which is a really curious turn of events. Um, he says this every time that a black prosecutor tries to question him about yeah, anything, true. which yeah. I what a he's just like shouting words that he thinks are inflammatory yeah. into yeah. the ether. Yeah. Um, but I will note that though he was able to plead the fifth 440 times, Eric Trump, the persona non grata of a son that he is, yeah. um, did it more than 500 when he was questioned. So Eric Trump beat him. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. He was questioned in uh, October of 2020. And he pled the fifth 500 times. So Impressive. Embarrassing. <laughs> Donald. I'm surprised they had more questions for Eric Trump. I, I can't imagine that Eric <laughs> Trump could have been known to know literally any piece of information about anything that's going on in Trump world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just like, there's, I can't imagine a world in which Eric <clears throat> Trump is like useful to question, but yeah. what do I know? I'm not Tish James. No. She had six, 60 more questions for him yeah. than the Donald. So what a week for Trump. <sighs> what a week. And it feels like... Well, it's not going to get, there's no, there's, it's not going to get better for him. It's right? not going to get better for him. First of all, September is right around the corner. Yeah. Second of all, his supporters are starting to act crazy, which never turns out well for him politically. No. It might turn out terribly for the rest of us as well. Yeah. But they're, they're only in it for lose-lose. There's no oh, win-win yeah. with them or win-lose. No. It's just lose-lose or we win and they lose. But there's, yeah. no, there's no winning when they win. Yeah. Um, no, so, certainly not. Like, there's, so there's that going on. They're all on Truth Social talking about a civil war. The civil war, right. Mm-hmm. Which, and they are armed, to be fair. <laughs> they are. Uh, so there's that. But this is just, this is what happens before you take a tyrant down. And I'm not saying we're going to take him down like he's going to be perp walked to prison and satisfy all of our desires. (laughs) I know that that may not happen. I also think though, I was thinking about this a lot because a lot of my DC friends have been very like, oh, I don't think anything will really happen to him about it. And I think that like some of this is a little bit of just like a failure of imagination at this point because things just like have been so corrupt and not working out for so long that everyone in Washington thinks nothing can ever change. The the word nuclear secrets was received very differently outside the Beltway, I think, than it was inside. Because yeah, that right. piece of news was like one of those moments that everyone I know texted me. Yeah. And I got the news, like I got the news update on six different text chains <laughs> before the push notification hit my phone. Okay. So like, I don't think that people yeah. think that this is like other things. Again, maybe nothing will happen. Incompetence abounds yeah. in, in, in and outside of DC. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, I think that a lot of people who are maybe accustomed to hearing about acts of corruption and understand what they mean a little better, don't realize what, the, what, the, what kind of political will this created, don't really know how to harness the political will it created, but yeah. also don't understand how destructive the political will it created could be. Because yeah. that really freaked people out. It did. Yeah. And and I think in a way well, where they were, were raiding like, former presidents' homes, like that's a thing. Well, and also I think it <laughs> nuclear finally, secrets are not. I mean, you're absolutely right about it's nuclear a movie secrets, plot. But I mean, like yeah, we know how this movie ends. It's not unprecedented territory once it's a movie plot. <laughs> I think that like part of what everyone has been trying to grapple with with the rest of this is it's like if you weren't alive during Watergate or just it, have not lived through this time before, yeah. which none of us have, we don't really know how the rest of this Trump thing ends. This is a pretty unprecedented time. He's a very unique figure. Like, we don't really know how that movie ends. 
The nuclear secrets movie we have seen. <laughs> we make them here. <laughs> right. Like, this is not... A, so once people heard that, they were kind of like, you go to oh, jail with the nuclear now. secrets. Yeah, right. uh-huh. Somebody, um, an action hero comes and gets you, and then you go to jail. Like, yeah. suddenly everyone had an agenda. <laughs> and I think probably in D.C., they're still, like, caught up in their sort of, right. like, D.C. version of the events, which we which are confusing. Right. Whereas in, like, the regular world, that was, like, a keyword to us, where we were <laughs> right. like, oh, no, okay. Yeah. You go to jail with a nuke. When you steal nuclear secrets, no, you can't do that's that. how the movie begins. And in act three, you go to jail or you die. There's only two things that end that, yeah, exactly. that movie. So like, yeah. I think that's maybe why that felt a little different. I don't know. Yeah. But excited to see where this all leads. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's, Should we move on? Let's move on. Let's talk about the, the IRA. The IRA. <laughs> Listen, we mentioned this in the rundown, but Democrat, kudos to Democrats. I have a note for them in that I would like them to push further yeah. In this direction, because they decided to call this the Inflation Reduction Act. And if there are three words that describe this bill, none of them would be inflation or reduction. Right. Or both two of them, I guess. You could call it an act. <laughs> it that's is a, an act. That's, so a, that's... that's a generic enough word. But like, you know, they were like, people care about inflation right now. Everybody's worried about inflation. So we're going to call this the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are constantly talking about the Puppies and Rainbows Act here. And I feel like once you're ignoring the fact that Moody's says that this is going to bring down inflation 0.33% lower at the end of 2031. That's helpful. Then you can call it anything. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Call it the we're all going skiing act. It doesn't really matter. Because it's not the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. Now that's not to say maybe there's not some decent things in here. We're going to, we're going to go through. They don't relate to inflation. At all. Literally. (laughs) But listen, you know what people want is lower inflation. Right. And so, so this bill bill is giving it to them in name only. That's and right. listen, that's probably all most people care about. Exactly. Truly. <laughs> because a lot of Democrats don't know what's in there because they spent all week talking about how great and wonderful it was. And any time that you pointed out that maybe there was one thing that might not be great and wonderful. You got you, I was going to say, don't, don't do that on Twitter. I would recommend that if you're looking to have a peaceful week, then don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't talk just, about don't the IRA any amount of this bill on Twitter right now because the K-Hive and whoever else is, they're on it. They're at the ready. That's right. <clears throat> anyway. So what it really is, is, and we talked a little bit about this last week, there's sort of like three buckets in here. There's the climate bucket, healthcare, and taxes. So we're going to spend $370 billion on climate investment, which is being paid for by some prescription drug savings and some tax changes. Now, I think we also mentioned this, but $307 billion, reminder, this is over 10 years. So right. like, you know, we sent that amount of money to Ukraine yesterday. Right. Um, or whatever, whatever it was that we spent $37 billion on yesterday. It could have been 10 things. Right. So... You know, historic investment, sure, but also compared to... Compared to our defense spending, not (laughs) all that And compared to, like, basically zero investment prior to now. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's it's easy to be historic. Would have been a historic investment in this (laughs) circumstance. Yeah. So there's also, like, a smorgasbord of of tax credits for clean energy, nuclear power production, electric vehicles, other technologies that are, like, going to accelerate a transition to, like, a low-carbon economy. So there, in terms of climate you are hearing a lot of people out there saying that well democrats right who are saying that by 2030 we're going to cut we're going to be 40 percent below 2005 levels Mm. of emissions right now that is disingenuous because we were already going to be at 30 right right we have been making small investments and sort of like working toward reducing carbon emissions and like the projection by 2030 was 30 percent Right. And so now we're moving it to 
40%. So like if you hear somebody say that we're reducing emissions by 40%, that's misleading at best because 75% of that 40% we were already doing. Right. But why not take credit for things that are going to happen anyway? <laughs> right, exactly. Also, our commitment to the Paris Climate Accord <laughs> is 50% by 2030. So we have passed a bill now, which is historic, and we are still very much failing <laughs> on our commitments to the rest of the world on climate change. Also, reminder that the Paris Climate Accords are also a compromise from well, right. where climate scientists would like us to be. So <laughs> right. this is... Yeah. Well, climate science... There was Interestingly, there was some climate science that came out last week that was essentially like, you have to stop drilling literally now. Right. Right? So if we're following the science, that's what we should be doing. And interestingly, one of the things that I feel like people didn't know because this bill was 700 pages long <laughs> was that, you know, we should have known that it was written by Colbert and Joe Manchin. Right. Right. So there's some climate, there's some poison pills in here. I'm shocked. <laughs> right. Surprise. So the bill actually bars the Interior Department from issuing any new wind or solar energy development for a decade unless the department also offers up to a total of 20 million acres of land and 600 million acres of ocean area for oil and gas leasing. Awesome. Right. So to so 20 million acres is roughly the size of South Carolina, and 600 million acres is more than Alaska and Texas combined. Cool, 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 cool. So. Drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. That's our new federal policy now because we just passed the law. So In the, the biggest I, climate package of all time. Yeah. So the idea, I think, is, is that because of all the tax breaks and things for clean energy, is that like the oil companies aren't going to actually make any leasing bids. But that's a real gambit. <laughs> it sure is. And also, it relies on climate policy and incentives remaining where they are right now. Totally. Whereas, you know, Republicans could take office and then change the incentive structure, you know, yeah. so that there, there suddenly is an, in, an interest in doing this. And then suddenly we have all of this new land open for... Yeah. Totally. Oil and gas leasing. So. And so obviously, you know, if oil companies do start taking these leases and drilling and we continue to burn fossil fuels, then, you know, that 40% number certainly goes down too. Yeah. So like the 40% number that you're hearing that this bill actually does sort of assumes no burning of additional fossil fuels, but they're offering the right. additional burning of fossil fuels. So I, I don't like, you know, we don't want to sound like sour about this whole bill because like look no, if they I, can if they can do further reduction by 2030 like god bless them and i understand that like there were probably limitations of what they could yeah. actually get in this bill but like there's this is as big as we dream with democrats right now well that's what i was i was talking to somebody about this the other day yeah. and i was just they were like what do you what's your take on this whole bill and i was kind of like it's the the bill that we were promised <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't because he ultimately you know did want a bigger build back better bill but in the in the sense of nothing will fundamentally change he, and democrats obsession with incrementalism like we've done it yeah. <laughs> well and i think this is something we were talking about in the car earlier but this really i think speaks to the I was, a conversation about waiting that i was having with you in the car around covid policy yes. where i think a lot of the time we become sort of comfortable at the level of crisis we're in yeah. So like right now we're in a level of sort of like perma crisis around, I'm going to use COVID as an example, but I think sure. climate is also a good sure. example. Um, we're in a level of perma crisis around COVID. Community transmission is permanently high. These new variants keep on, keep on keeping on. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, um, the vaccines continue to be less and less effective at prevention. And we at a certain point 
like be, we, we swim in that water. We live in that world. And so we become comfortable in that world. And anything that seeks to change it fundamentally yeah. is stressful for us because in the past, fundamental changes have made everything worse. Yeah. Because our experience with fundamental change recently was that a pandemic came and gripped <laughs> the entire world and forced us to stay home for a year and killed our grandparents. Yeah, right. So like, I think <clears throat> on some level, we are, we're sort of hesitant about grand change because grand change has recently robbed us of a lot. Yeah. And so because of that, we become sort of addicted to the waiting. We become sure. comfortable with the waiting. And instead of taking dramatic action, we start to accept these kinds of things as successes because nothing will fundamentally change. Right. And we don't want anything to fundamentally change because we are now living in the reality we're living in. And we're like, I do not want to have to reassess everything, my relationship to reality once again. Right. So I think, you know, we're, that's, that's part of why our new COVID policy is like, just live with it because <laughs> right. we're already living with it. So they're right. like, nothing crazy will happen. That's people the new are, climate policy right, too. People are willing to accept just live with it in part because they're already living with it and they're like, well, I'm alive now and if right. I die of it, at least I know what the risks are. And, you know, when when we make big dramatic changes, they have to kind of reassess how they their relationship to those risks. Yeah. And so instead, they just want to wait. Yeah. And I, I think we are addicted to that with climate policy as well, but climate policy is an area like, I think, with pandemic policy where we actually should be willing and encouraged to take dramatic actions that will be f uncomfortable at first. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like... Uh, and I don't I mean stopping using straws because I'm also sick of <laughs> right. people pretending like big yeah. climate policy is just like minor inconveniences that don't actually change anything. Yeah. Well, I think... And this is... You're absolutely right because like the right thing to do on climate, especially if we're, you know, out here following the science, right. guys. And I realize that this is a big change and this often alarms people when I say this, but I'm trying to normalize it. The, the thing that we should do if we're listening to science on climate is to literally nationalize the oil companies yeah. and put corks in oil wells. Yeah. And that's hard for people to imagine, but like, that's actually the thing to do. Right. So well, like, and, and I realize we're a long way from that and we'll maybe get there about the time the world is burning. But like, you know, that, 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 that's uncomfortable that feels action. scary. It's, even for people who are like in favor of, like even you would probably talk to somebody yeah. in the Sunrise Movement and that might alarm them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, that's really the, that's right. That's the, and, and the idea, I think, you know, there were a lot of climate sort of activists who came out in favor of this bill and were excited about it because it was at least a movement something. towards doing something, yes, right. which I can totally understand because, yep. you know, it was time for us to take an action. Right. Based on and having done nothing. Maybe it so. will snowball into new actions. Who knows? Maybe we'll be like, you know, what's great. It felt good to, <laughs> to not destroy the climate as much as we were doing it before. We should do more of that. Yeah. Like, you know, this, this is not to say that this is not sort of like some momentum in the right direction. But it is to say that like a lot of the time we are not even being proposed the real solutions because they are not tenable because people are comfortable in the reality they live in, even if that reality is that floods and fires are going to destroy their home every 10 years. Yeah. Because then you at least are like, well, at least I know a flood and fire is going to destroy my... Then you have something you can count on. <laughs> right. And right, you know, and, and, and changing things kind of robs <laughs> you of your relationship to that something you can count on. And yeah. so I think that we need to think about whether there are areas where we could tolerate some discomfort yeah. And it doesn't have to be discomfort like we no longer can visit our parents anymore because we've decided to cease all travel in America right. or something like that. But yeah. in the same way, you frequently hear people worry about their own health insurance if we were to have Medicare for all. Well, right. We're going to talk about healthcare next. And that's another exactly. area where like, we're really eating around the edges here. But like, Yes. To, the know. worry that people have is that they already have such a tenuous relationship to their healthcare that they don't mm -hmm. want anything to challenge that. And that's a fair worry. But also, we need to find a way to frame policy that is more expansive as 
a net positive instead of a, a, a threat right, and a, a risk. scary thing. Yeah, yeah. totally. 100%. Let's talk about healthcare. Let's talk about healthcare. So there's a few healthcare things in here, which Democrats are really going around and highlighting. Some of them are better than others. Right. And, and again, some of the some of the excitement is sort of disingenuous. Well, Surprise. That's what that's, politics that's, is. That's what politics is. So that's what we're going to unpack that for you. So it's going to extend this pandemic program that reduces health insurance premiums for like 13 million low and middle income Americans. This is something that we started the pandemic. This extends it but only for three years. Awesome. So um, after which, you know, individuals and families who have purchased health insurance through the Obamacare exchanges are going to face another benefits cliff. I love so that fall time benefits cliff. We, I, we love a good benefits cliff, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will say yeah. that one thing I'm always in favor of, and this is something that my mother said to me um, when they passed the ACA and I was whining about it because <laughs> I was just like, we couldn't do better than the ACA. Yeah. But like my health insurance is still hundreds of dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. My mom was like, once you give people benefits, it's really hard to take them away. It's much more, it's more like the political liability of taking them away is so much greater than it is of giving, of giving them. So if we set a precedent of giving them, it becomes a liability to take it away. And that does tend to extend those programs, which is what we're seeing here. That's So at least we have that. Yeah. Um, It also facilitates free access to adult vaccines for Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries. And this is a, this is a good one. This is a good one. Then I have something to say about it. It imposes a $2,000 per year cap on out-of-pocket drug costs under Medicare Part D, which is good. I would also like to point out that $2,000 per year cap on out-of-pocket drug costs is also known as $2,000 more a year than these people should be paying for these drugs. Correct. Yeah, I also would like to... Like in a world where we're thinking big, like that's $2,000 too many. And that's, by the way, not including your co-pays and your right. cost-sharing that's costs with your health. This is just prescriptions. Yeah, yeah. So you might have a $10,000 out-of-pocket co- right. uh, a cap. A hospital stay? Uh, right. On, a, uh, on, on your actual health care. And this is in addition to that. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, yeah. should it be capped? Yes. Should it be capped lower? Yeah. Yes. Should it exist? No. But the, the idea of setting a precedent of at least capping it is probably positive. Um, and also, <clears throat> how wild that we haven't had that so far. Very. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's a real turn of events. Yeah. Um, it also makes federally subsidized health insurance like more generous to current enrollees, but it also leaves two million people, and we've heard a lot about this, right? Yes. People are always talking about this coverage gap. This is where like uh, they, people are too poor to claim credits on the Obamacare exchanges, but they're ineligible for you know some of the money that's offered by their own states because their states didn't take the that Medicaid Obamacare expansion? money. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that is not in here. Interestingly, Raphael Warnock offered an amendment to this bill, like while they were doing the Voterama, mm-hmm. and it failed, of course, because all of those failed except a Republican one that a bunch of Democrats Obviously. signed on to. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but wild that that failed. Also wild, and I don't want this to like be a reason like that we should drag Raphael Warnock because we shouldn't. Right. Because no, it was a good God, idea. It was a good idea, and it's. This is what we do when we have those Voteramas, when we're yes. trying to pass something like this. Is the you, There's some messaging bills in a there's Voterama. Some, there's some messaging bills, right? But some of those messaging bills were offered up by Bernie Sanders. Amendment King. Um, Amendment King. And he spent all day being savaged yeah. by fellow Democrats mm-hmm. for having the nerve to offer up an amendment that might just kill the whole bill. Right. Because, Which is- because Joe Manchin and... Uh, Chuck Schumer have already agreed to the framework here. So, like, if you introduce an amendment that, God forbid, might get seniors access to vision care. Right. That I think failed, like, 99 to 1. Right. (laughs) Then you are 
what are you doing? Well, they're mad at him because he offered things people want and they were going to have to vote against them. I know. That's exactly and that's why right. they were mad. But, it, but Raphael Warnock didn't took get no the same online treatment. heat. No. And I'm glad. Yeah. But no it was interesting how that it. played out. I think also a lot of people don't understand how these votes work. Because You're this is right. what you do yeah. in the voterama. No, right. I was going to say, nobody was... Nobody in the Senate that day was concerned. I mean, maybe some of them were, like, annoyed that they were having to vote no yeah, on some of these things. But, like... That's it, politics, baby. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, like, that's what you do. And yeah. these are not... Like, also, he was doing that as a messaging strategy to highlight what wasn't in the bill. Because yeah. he wanted to embarrass them. Yeah. And they should be embarrassed about that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I... This is... Part of politics is the fact that when you make these choices, there's some liability to them. Yeah. Right. That's why no one wants the job. Right. It's because it sucks. <laughs> right. I'm like, sorry about it. But like, this is what happens. <laughs> yeah. They're so, they're so sensitive. I know. They are. They're always so sensitive. God, they just, um, everybody needs to get a grip. The also, other... people on Twitter need to get a hold of themselves. Oh my God. I mean, well, people on Twitter have needed to I should. I'm on Twitter and I need to get a hold of myself too. Right. My boyfriend was working here during the day one day last week and we were just sitting on the couch together and he was like, you have to get off Twitter. Just totally doom scrolling, just I mean, just like getting my heart rate up and just like rage retweeting, yeah. and you know, that's how it goes. But anyway, anyway, let's talk about the Medicare negotiation, uh, the uh, prescription drug negotiation. Yeah, because this is a big one that Democrats are hitting, and yeah. I, if I were Again, them, I would be doing the same thing. <laughs> sets the precedent that we need. Yep. Is it as expansive as it sounds? No, it's not. <laughs> no, at all, actually. It's really. much, much <laughs> less expansive than it sounds. It's sort of almost hilarious when you find out what it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it creates a drug price negotiation program like within HHS. They've which, been claiming they're going to do this for like literally 25 years. Beginning of time. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a little bit more limited than other proposals <laughs> to shocked. do the same thing. Surprise. I'm shocked. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of different rules about the types of drugs that can and can't be negotiated in the first years of the negotiating program, which by the way, starts in 2026. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Good. We have four years to ruin it. Yeah. Um, it can only negotiate in the first year, 2026, it can only negotiate 10 drugs yeah. in Part D. We don't know what they are. We don't know what they will be. We may never know. Right. Well, we'll know in five, three, four years. Right. Uh, in that number rises to 15 in 2027. No, by an oh, additional by 15. An additional so we'll 15 be up to 25. Right. And then an additional 15 in 2028, an additional 20 Part D in 2029 and subsequent years. And this is then Part D or Part B drugs. Yes, right. Yeah. Because Medicare Part D is when you buy additional coverage. Yeah. Like and from a private insurance company. Right, exactly. Yes. Which is also a scam that we'll go on about another day. <laughs> Medicare Part D is some bullshit. Yeah, it is. And isn't that a Medicare add-on? Don't you also have to pay yes. for that? In, you have to pay for it. To, that's what I thought, yeah. So it's like a scam where we pretend we're giving free healthcare to old people and everyone loves Medicare and then they find out that to get any actual coverage they have to pay an additional amount to like an Aetna who provides Part D coverage and then yeah. only Part D, you know, covers anything that you covers anything cover. that you actually need to cover. Yeah, right. Exactly. So also there's a lot of rules about what can and can't be negotiated as part of this plan. The main one really is that it has to have been on the market for depending on the type of drug, either nine years or thirteen years. I don't understand like what type of they were literally what the article I was reading was like if it's a nanomolecule technology <laughs> drug it's not and I was like all right this not seems not important right. and I'm not trying to figure out I'm not a chemist <laughs> uh, but anyway so you have to wait 
you know, nine or 13 years, depending on the type of drug. So, you know, if we cure cancer tomorrow, then settle in. Well, and here's another (laughs) important thing to note about that. As someone who has been on a lot of novel experimental drugs for asthma for much of their life. Yeah. They change the formulation every time that it goes out of patent. Well, that's so that they they can continue not selling it as um, as a generic. Generic. Totally. So you never win because <laughs> never win. unless you yeah. want to take the drug that, you know, there's there's old standbys, which are usually like available over the counter. Yeah. The old standbys are like Benadryl, basically, <laughs> right. like Sudafed, which is not available over the counter, but should be. I'm oh, yeah. going on the record as saying that. Yeah. I can't, don't criminalize the only nasal decongestant that works. Some of us have allergies. Anyway, um, but usually when drugs cycle out of their, you know, their, into their generic era, if you will, <laughs> uh, the company then is like, we have a new delivery method. And so yeah. we have to, instead of this, we have to give you, you know, this yeah. other new one that costs a million dollars, but we'll give you a coupon for it. So you get hooked on it for three years and then you can't switch back to the old one because you're hooked on the new one, <laughs> right. the new delivery method that for some reason causes some different thing that means you can't take the old one. <laughs> and then for the rest of your life, you're hooked on some new novel medication where they've yeah. made a minor tweak and now it looks like a spaceship for some reason you can't figure out and you're paying a million dollars a month for it. <laughs> This is from personal experience. I was going to say, this is your um, asthma inhaler. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, got it. As soon as you said spaceship, I was like, my initial reaction was like, what the fuck is she talking about? And then I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Yes. It's your advert. Yeah, it's my advert. <laughs> it looks like a spaceship. I don't, yeah. at this point, I can't even figure out how to operate it. So, I know. And by the way, the reason that that provision is in there, this whole nine or 13 years situation, is solely in there so drug companies can re- recoup costs after yeah. they put it into the market. Because a big concern, and Republicans are out there saying this oh on God. the airways right now, is that these companies are not going to be able to make any money. The R&D phase. Now they're not going to be able to invent new drugs because they're not able to charge you $7 billion for their prescriptions. I have (laughs) some news that will, I think, provide relief to those Republicans, which is that the federal government subsidizes almost all of that R&D. And they're making record profits. Yeah. So don't worry. Good news. You're good. Everything's fine, guys. Um, It is really important to Republicans, though, that and and some Democrats, including James Clyburn, um, and, and Cory Booker, that uh, <laughs> pharmaceutical companies continue to make record profits. Well, that's Their true. profits are incredibly personally important to this. Yeah, I was going to say they're being funded. Uh, to many members saying. of Congress. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so just keep that in mind. Yeah. The, R- the R&D argument is a false flag operation, yeah. if you will. Yeah. <clears throat> um, next, last piece. Yes. Taxes. The tax piece. So the biggest revenue raiser in the bill, and we talked about this before, was that there's this new 15% minimum tax on large corporations. Yeah. So this is going to bring in a lot of money. It's the biggest revenue raiser. But again, you have to be mindful of what Democrats are telling you about what this is going to do. Because Biden himself has been out in the world claiming that this ends the practice of profitable Fortune 500 companies paying no corporate income tax. That's wrong. Well, and also, like he, it's not, he doesn't want Friday that. Or whatever. He's <laughs> right. in bed he with all of these right. companies. There's a, a bazillion different carve-outs for various business tax credits, right, that exist already, and I think yeah. some were in this bill. And certainly... Some of there's a ton in this bill specifically um, for utility companies and various other companies who are sort of like trying to you know make things that are going to give us to carbon you know zero well not right. zero but you know Car- carbon oh, more neutral to, oh, carbon neutral right exactly and so there are a million different ways that large corporations are going to continue to pay less than fifty percent in tax because they're just going to fifteen fifteen yeah. I thought so, you said fifty and I was like that sounds insane fifty percent in America that right. would never happen so I was right. Yes, this is good on the yeah. whole, right? Like, and 
and it's going to bring in, I think, something like three or four hundred billion dollars. Yeah. So, like, I, I, again, I sort of like don't want to like, raise taxes. I don't want to sound like I'm right. sour on this, but I just sort of like want you to be mindful as you're like listening to all of the hogwash that you're being fed over the next few months. Um, there's a one percent excise tax on scor- on corporate stock buybacks. People are really loving that. As I mean, am I. I mean, make it a make it more, make it more. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, great. Let's tax us let's, for sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, there's an 80 billion increase to the budget at IRS, which we mentioned right. earlier because Republicans are jumping on this. Yes. And that's gonna, you know, but they've been starved for cash of late yes. because everybody loves to say that they're. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Defund the IRS. Everybody loves that, right? <laughs> I was gonna say nobody likes dealing with the IRS. <laughs> right. So that I think. Also, there is a perception that might be based in some truth that the IRS really only goes after people who can't afford to fight off the IRS. And so really, like ultra wealthy people get away with everything with the IRS. And it's usually like everyone I know who's been audited doesn't make enough money to pay for the time they've spent auditing, you know, dealing with the, you know, uh, the paperwork from being audited. Um, So I think it's easy to message against the IRS because even Democrats don't like paying taxes. Uh, No, they don't. And, of course, Republicans jumped on this because they love a good IRS as boogeyman. Right. Narrative. I love that they equated it with the FBI, though. (laughs) My favorite thing about that was just they were like, if the FBI can do this, if if the police can do this to Donald Trump, imagine what the IRS will do to you. Nothing. (laughs) Right. They will do nothing. Yeah. They don't even have enough people to answer the phones. Yeah. Totally. Um, They also jumped on it because they felt like it was a violation of this, like, Biden pledge that he's been giving out all of his bills to not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000. Now, before we move on, (laughs) as we're sort of like, you know, thinking of big solutions here, right? Right. As we've been talking about in all of these, you know, pieces of this bill. Like, I think one of the things that we have to do and you have to do as a listener who is maybe making $50,000 is imagine your taxes going up. Right. (laughs) Because, and again, that's uncomfortable. It's not great. We don't like that. Well, as here's you the said, thing. Nobody likes paying your taxes. I think that but, people would not mind it as much if they were getting something well, for them. Well, that's it. And right. it's convincing them that you can deliver on the second part of that yeah. that matters. Because right now we pay a huge rate of, you know, the totally. rest of us, the non-wealthy among us, pay huge tax rates totally. compared to the rest of the world. And we just don't get any of the things they get. <laughs> exactly. They're getting health care for that. We're getting yeah. money for Ukraine. Like, <laughs> right. So that's why people hate paying taxes. Yeah. Um, but Biden sort of got around that because yeah. if they were, you know, Republicans were out on TV being like, the IRS is going to come for you whether you make, right. you know, a billion dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And so Biden apparently has directed Janet Yellen and the IRS chief to not use any of that $80 billion in IRS money to go after or to use as enforcement of anyone making less than that. Now, that's not to say that you can go cheating on your taxes, right. but I mean, like, they're not going to use that money specifically to just, like, go around, like, looking for people well, who I are think... making, like, what you might be making and, like, trying to, you they know. They have a reputation for nickel and diming poor people. That's exactly what And they, right. that, I think, is why it's so hard to justify putting money back into the IRS. And though we need money to go back into the IRS so that we can make sure rich people are paying their taxes, because of the connections rich people have, they often don't end up actually paying them. And so the IRS famously goes after people they think they can actually get the money out of. Yeah. And that is, I think, the messaging chasm that Biden has to figure out how to address with that he's yeah. trying to do here. Because I, even I was like, they, they better not start fucking auditing just totally. like middle class people. Yeah. Because it's a really huge pain in the ass to get audited. And... It is also really hard to not pay your taxes when you're middle class. Most middle class people are just out here paying taxes, like at a rate that is higher than most corporations, right. certainly higher than Jeff Bezos paid in taxes. Totally. So like I, I was among the people that was like, don't just give money to the IRS for quote unquote enforcement that targets 
yeah. like middle class people, target that enforcement <laughs> where people are actually not paying their fair share. Yeah. And so that's, I think, that's the messaging that I think they need to really like uh, make yeah. sure that people understand around yeah. that and also deliver on. I because agree. I knew the Republicans would jump on that because even as a Democrat, I was susceptible to that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Jeff Bezos. I think one of the things that is unfortunate about this bill is that there's really nothing in this bill to curtail like some of the specific strategies that yeah. enable billionaires to pay near zero personal income taxes, because the way that they're doing that is legal. Right. right. It's not that they're right. just like have decided yeah. not to pay their taxes that year. It's because they did all of the things that allowed them to not pay their taxes that year. Right. Right. And so like we're not really doing anything about that. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. And additionally to that, like there was an, an, an amendment that Republican uh, entered John Thune, which was to shield businesses that rely on capital investment from private equity firms. Mm. They're, they are now shielded from this 15% corporate awesome. income tax. And guess what? Seven Democrats voted with John Thune on this. And we're going to name them. <laughs> we're going to name them. Kirsten Cinema, obviously. Duh. Because she was, I think we mentioned when we talked about this the last time, she was already was she? somebody who didn't like this private equity tax. She was panicking about this yeah. already. Um, <clears throat> so... You read the others. Okay. Yeah, Brent's, <laughs> Brent's choking. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, Maggie Hassan from New Hampshire, yeah, Mark Kelly from Arizona, John Ossoff from Georgia, Jackie Rosen from Nevada, and Raphael Warnock from Georgia. All yeah, voted sur- for the amendment. Both I'm Georgia. I'm surprised at both of those. Both Arizona. I mean, I don't particularly care for John Ossoff, but I'm I'm curious as to why. I, Warnock surprised me. Warnock surprised me, and even Ossoff just generally. Well, right. I mean, like, I just don't I guess understand. Ossoff I don't think about very much, so nothing can mean, really surprise me. I just don't understand what he gets from that. The I, others are sort of like a mishmash well, of like. I think we've learned exactly what. Cap, they, campaign I, cash. <laughs> yeah, because if it's both Georgia senators, then I think we've learned how they've been financing those Georgia <laughs> right. Senate runs for Democrats. Yeah. I think we've learned something important here. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's, the, it's, it's Nevada, Georgia, and Arizona with a dash of New Hampshire mm-hmm. um, thrown in. And that is who, those are the states that you can look for private equity yeah. uh, <clears throat> donors and lobbyists from. Yeah. Um, some things that didn't make it in. Right. $35 cap on insulin. This is like, just, I, yeah. this is low-hanging fruit. I know. So low that seven Republicans actually joined them on this. Yeah, because people need fucking insulin. Yeah. Now. And Repu- famously, that was a patent that got sold for a dollar. The R&D I is know. nothing for that. So yeah. their R&D argument can go fuck itself. Yeah. Now, this was in the bill. And this was something that the parliamentarian said that could not be included. Wow. So actually, the vote that the Republicans joined was to ignore the parliamentarian. Right. Which, by the way, you don't need to fucking vote on. No. You know who can ignore the parliamentarian? Anybody. Anyone. It's a, an appointed role that has... Just ignore her. Right. Fire her. Ignore her. Doesn't matter. Uh, tell her to buzz off. Do whatever you want to do. Or let her stay and then let her watch you vote right. to overrule her in reconciliation and have Kamala Harris break the tie and you've done it. Right. So like, yes, Republicans are awful. 43 Republicans voted to continue to make you pay $1,000 in insulin. Right. They would like diabetics to literally right. die. Continue to give them all the hate online that you're giving to them. Absolutely. But also, like... Dream bigger. Dream bigger, and, like, maybe throw a small portion of that hate at Chuck Schumer and the parliamentarian also. Yeah. Because, like, we could have just decided to vote on this and have done it. Well, these are the kinds of things, too, where it's, like, so frustrating to see, like, diabetics get held up in, like, some dumb political liability situation where it's, like, this actually would, like, save people's literal lives in large quantities this is a specific group of people but it's a growing group of people because one of the things that they're finding in the aftermath of covid is that more people are suddenly diabetic 
So this actually is becoming a, an increasingly desperate problem. Totally. Um, and it's just like the kind of thing where like anyone can see how someone who is reliant on a drug that is actually like a life or death situation should be able to access yeah. that drug. I just, yeah. It's so crazy that we can't get the political will together to do at least that. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and especially when it's uh, one of the things that is going to, you know, make you, uh, like, forgetting the word, but, like, could die from COVID, right? No, exactly. Itself, diabetes, no, right? I it's mean, it's a, gonna... It makes you high risk for COVID. High, yeah, it, yeah. And then you become high risk for it after COVID. Yeah. Like, it is also one of those diseases that, like, we, it, like, changed the world when we figured out how to treat it. Right. You know? Like, yeah. this... And it is an incredibly big problem in the U.S. in particular because yeah. of the type 2 diabetes situation yeah. here. But, like, it it just seems... This is so cruel. Why would we not have the political will to yeah. do this? Why would 43 <clears throat> Republicans... Who are they protecting here when we can't make the R&D argument for yeah, this? Yes, I know. The patent was sold for a dollar or whatever it was. We yeah. all know the story. And <laughs> yep. it's old medicine. <laughs> yep. Thought of it years That's ago. That's right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then obviously some of the other things that aren't in here are just like basically the rest of the Build Back Better bill, right. which isn't in here, right? Child care, family leave, the child tax credit extension, which is a crime, a political crime. Political I mean, crime. Yeah. Crime. I mean, a crime, but like yeah. also just uh, political Free community crime. college, universal pre-K, vision, hearing, dental, being additions to Medicare, affordable housing, et cetera, et cetera. Like yeah. none of that's in here. Right. So, and that I think is actually what is politically a problem with a bill like obviously like we should just be doing those things right <laughs> obviously right but like i think that there's a bit of an issue you know the democrats are going to go out there and they're going to sell this as well as they possibly can they're going to talk about inflation they're going to talk about affordable uh health care and prescription drugs and climate and they're going to do all of the things and that is exactly what you would do after you pass something like this i hope that they can sell it yeah right right like, the world will be better if they can convince people Absolutely. You know, to not let the Republicans have the House in the fall. But I think that they made a little bit of an error with this bill. Certainly, whether it be the child tax credit extension or something that nothing in here is tangible. Right. At least yeah. right now. Like none of it. Right. I mean, climate. Yes, we have to do climate, but we're not going to feel that for a minute. And I think people can understand that to a certain degree. Right. But the prescription drug prices, as we said, don't go into effect until 2026. As we said, it doesn't actually do anything for inflation. The Obamacare premium reductions were a pandemic thing that they just extended. extended. So people's health care costs aren't actually going to go down. They're just not going to go up, which right. is good. But like, it's not a savings for anyone. Right. So like all of this stuff that is in there, it's this huge bill, right? It's like a the supposedly dream bill for Democrats. And nobody gets anything. Yeah. No. And it's also like, it's crazy because it's devoid of the kinds of things that people who are actually thinking often rightfully selfishly about their own experience in America have nothing to latch onto in a way that, you know, it, it, there, there's nothing that you can sell to Republicans in here is I think what I'm trying to say. Also, yeah. Because I think a lot of the time, the way that you get those voters who are just sort of like uninformed and curmudgeonly <laughs> on your side is you're like, we gave you a child tax credit. And then yeah. they're like, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about this climate thing. I don't know if that's real. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> right. yeah, but exactly. like, it's nice that I got this money. Or, you know, they get a free community college education or whatever totally. it is. But you give them something tangible in part because they are not a party that thinks about these big picture issues. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you have at least some inroad with those people. Yeah. Not that you're going to get all of them to vote with, for Democrats. Like, I get that that's not yeah. what happens. Yeah. But I do think that there is this sort of like 
large sort of like struggling vaguely like suburban but I don't mean that the way we normally mean suburban I mean that all of America lives in communities that are dispersed and where they can't really see each other um you know these these sort of like vaguely suburbanized communities yeah, yeah. where because they don't exist in spaces where community goods are visible to anyone they need to they need an argument that sells things to themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. it de-radicalizes people yeah. to have something like that to hang on to yeah. it makes it harder for republicans who are relying on what are essentially fascist talking points right yeah. now to get inroads with new people i mean yeah. the, those are the things that are actually everyday life things and it's yeah. also one of the things that obama has pointed out was one of the big issues with his um uh, response to the recession where all like when when the obama administration respond you know had that big package that i yeah, yeah. you know in the, the, in bailout. Two, the bailout in 2008 the bailout <laughs> um they very intentionally tried to create savings for people that they wouldn't feel so that they wouldn't spend it yes they, they tried to outsmart but, everyone but then people didn't know they had it. and then people didn't know they had <laughs> right. it and it became a political liability because everyone felt like they hadn't gotten anything and everyone kept saying well you bailed out corporations and you didn't give us anything yeah they didn't really understand the optics of the politics of the situation yeah. and i think that's kind of like what this is leaving us with where it's like all of these things that like we're being told are good for us right. and many of them actually are yeah but there are a, there's a certain kind of voter that you yeah. need to keep on your team enough right that needs you to give them something personally yeah. And, like, literally, it could have been anything, right? I mean, like, yes. obviously, it would have been good to, you know, the child tax credit, I think, was, like, $1,200 a month or whatever. Then I'm sure Joe Manchin wouldn't have been able to... Then you wouldn't have been able to call it the uh, Inflation right. Reduction Act because it would have been giving people yeah. money, which is why he thinks First that all, we had inflation anyway. Right. But like, you could have called it the Inflation Reduction Act like, no matter what. It doesn't do anything about inflation. Send people a fucking $100 gas card or yes. something. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't have to be, like, just something in there that people can be yes. like, look, I got a thing. Totally. There is a certain kind of voter that that works with. Yes. It's not every voter. No. It's not moderate Democrats. No. Because they're useless. Yeah. But, but I just feel like if you're going to pass a near $1 trillion bill, like have a thing that people can be like, I got a thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's messaging. It's part of messaging. Yeah. And it can be a throwaway. And also, it's a thing that Republicans just go out and take credit for that stuff too. Right. It's not actually harmful. Like they'll right. fight it because of some vague thing because they promised a corporation they wouldn't do it. But if it actually passes, they'll go out and take as much credit as they need to for it. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, they're not afraid to take credit for a thing no. that they had nothing no, to do no. with. So yeah. yeah. When prescription drug prices go down finally in 2026 after we start negotiating. Right. The, the Republican president at the time will tell you that it was because he, Absolutely. Because he did so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's a classic, really that's is. a classic strategy. So why <laughs> not get out ahead of them? I agree. In any case. Um, that's that. That's that. And it's, at least, listen, at least the Democrats didn't do nothing. Well, right. We were yeah. right on the edge of them doing literally nothing and then trying to run on that. Well, that's the thing that so. I think that this at least... I, I do have some concerns that I like. I think what people elected Democrats for was to to do something that was like notably bigger than this. Obviously. So like I do... like Obviously, you go... And they got in their own go, way right, here. And they, right. And of course, you go out and you take whatever it is that you pass and you sell it the best that you can. Of course. But like I just... I do have some concerns that like, yes, it's better than nothing but like i just don't know if anything that's in there is just gonna be like well you're right i have to vote for democrats now no i can't <clears throat> well and that's i think listen the republican party wouldn't let that stop them from selling the shit out of this <laughs> no. and i hope that we can embrace well that's what that i'm spirit. saying like yeah. let's let's go try let's yeah right once we know it's deficits let's <laughs> let's figure out what else we can say about it right yeah um 
Let's talk about elections. Let's do it. Uh, Liz Cheney's primary is coming up. And this is really... There's a few primaries still left to go because for some reason New England holds primaries like in right. basically like the day before election sure. day. And New York then, had to have two. New York had to have two because <laughs> of the chaos that is New York State. They come up with any way to make sure no one votes in any primary or election. <laughs> and this their, their latest was to split the primaries into two... Uh, because they had an argument about the maps to split it into two different dates. So they right. decided they were going to move them up and then they couldn't because yeah. of all the map situations. So that's a whole thing. Oh, and the New York Times endorsed in that New York 12 race that has oh, yeah. Carolyn Maloney and Jerry Nadler running yeah. against each other. They endorsed Nadler. So that race is crazy. Right. Um, but Liz Cheney is really who we came to talk about because Liz right. Cheney looks like she might lose her primary. Right. She's the last one of the Republicans who voted to impeach Trump left. That's right. Right. Only so, so far, there's 10 of them, right? right. 10 voters. There were 10. Only two are seeking re-election or advanced in their primaries. The right. other either the others either decided not to run again or lost their bids. Right. So she's the last one. Everybody's got eyes on her, and the entire GOP. And she's the most public one too. Right, obviously, right. And the entire GOP establishment has thrown their support behind her opponent. Yeah, and the uh, polling isn't looking great. But there's one no. opportunity in that polling, mm-hmm. which is, A, well, no one knows. How do you poll Wyoming? It's, like, mostly cows. <laughs> I was about to say, like, are they polling? Uh, yeah. Who where do you they, poll there? Where are they finding the people to it's, poll? It's, you can't know. Hmm. But um, the other important thing is that they have open primaries. And because Liz Cheney is so visibly a part of the January 6th situation, right. there is a chance that Democrats will jump into the Republican yeah. primary. Because well, there's no chance of the Democrat winning. No, and she's such a, she's such a hero to Democrats, too, Liz Cheney. <laughs> as, as I've heard from more people than I would like to admit. <laughs> As I've heard from some very uninformed souls out there. Um, but it does, because that seat is likely not going to be won by a Democrat, there is no reason to vote in the Democratic primary there yeah. unless you have a sort of your own progressive thing that you want to do. Yeah, sure. But like, why would a moderate Democrat vote in the Democratic primary there when they could oh, right. pull somebody who was at least, you know, Liz Cheney is really like the fever dream right now of like a certain kind of moderate Democrat who sure. has chosen to ignore all of her other many faults. Right. Democrats all over the place trying to have Liz Cheney be the president for some That's mysterious writing reason. Writing op-eds. <clears throat> These people need to calm down, by the way. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Um, but so because of that, there is a chance that there's no way to pull this race. And there is a chance that though she is not polling well with Republicans right now, we don't know what's going to happen on primary day. And that's why we're going to watch. Yeah. Because there are Democrats there. They're probably <laughs> enough to at least make up the difference. There's probably not that many progressive Democrats there. So why don't they all just vote in the yeah, Republican right? primary? I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that if I lived there. I, I mean, mean I'm, I might. I'm making fun of Liz Cheney because right. she deserves it. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, maybe. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like I'm the kind of person that would vote for some kind of DSA candidate in that race and just be like, you know, or like yeah. some kind oh, of yeah, wackadoodle. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love a I love a wackadoodle vote in a situ in a hopeless situation. <laughs> right. You just keep me on top. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that there is enough. There is a chance that we that we don't have a way of polling the race, and that the level of closeness yeah. might even pollsters have been sort of like hesitant to make any declarations about what they're finding because yeah. no one really knows who's going to be voting in the race. Yeah. Well, and I think she herself is being fairly honest about like asking Democrats to vote for her. Yeah. 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 I think so. And <clears throat> and. I mean, I can see why that strategy uh, well, you, if seems you, uh, you appealing no, to I people on both say, sides. Well, I agree. Yeah. But I, and I've said this before, and this is also a Carla Nordstrom special, so you know, I'll give her credit. But it's never a good idea to bet against the Cheneys. No. So even if she loses this race, I would not. She doesn't lose the war. The Cheneys don't lose the no. war. They no, lose. They they, she might lose a race. She might, we don't know when we're going to hear from her next. Whatever. The Cheneys do not. They no. They're on the wrong side of history always, yeah. but in another sense, they're on their side of history and always. Listen, <laughs> history bends to their side. That's right. 
They will steal an election. They're done. Successfully. Exactly. You will never see that coming. <laughs> That's, By I the think, way. probably why everyone Donald in this race... Donald Trump could never. Could never. <laughs> could never. Yeah, Dick yeah. is not sitting in his bunker right now thinking, I'm not going to intervene to make sure that Liz Cheney doesn't get what she wants here. <laughs> right. You guys. Yeah. He loves his daughter. It's the only thing he loves. <laughs> but he does love Liz Cheney. Yeah. So, yeah, I, this is a race that we have our eyes on because of that. But yes, we honestly do. don't know what to tell you about it other than that it's wild. Oh, well, right. Exactly. It's wild. And also it's wild because it's happening in Wyoming. <laughs> I know. Where when they only we, have one congressperson. When, when have we ever cared about what's going on in Wyoming? <laughs> well, and how do we know how to know what's going on in Wyoming? Oh, right. I mean, We're I wouldn't even have a way of finding a clue. No. There are some other small states that I feel like I could make a stab at guessing what could go on. Yeah. But at Wyoming, I don't even have a guess. I don't know what they do in Wyoming. Nope. I think there's cows there. Cows. I just keep saying that. I don't know if that's true. Cows. Probably horses too. Yeah. A lot of livestock. Livestock. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of livestock. (laughs) In any case, um, but we also have Florida coming up. We have New York's York's primaries are going to be crazy because these are the redistricted districts. Yeah. Uh, So the congressional primaries there are going to be absolutely bananas. Yeah. Because the other big primary that's happening in Manhattan is the New York 10 primary. Is that the Mondaire Jones? That's the Mondaire Jones. Yuli New. Like that is also a chaos primary. Yeah. Bill de Blasio was running in that for a while. I mean, we don't know what's happening. Um, And then all of New England, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, a bunch of places like that. So um, we'll have that news when it happens, but it's probably going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, take some time off. It's August. Yeah. You know, go on vacation. Yeah. If this was France right now, you wouldn't even be working. (laughs) So I just feel like people need... To be taking more of August yeah. off than they are. Like, you couldn't by law, right? You, right. working in France. Exactly. <laughs> right. And you wouldn't be because it would be very right. decoffé. If, if you answered an email. It would be rude. It would be, right. it would be rude of you to answer an email right now. So, <laughs> right. take some inspiration from the French and, you know, yeah, live like a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will talk to you probably not next week, but the week after. Yeah. You'll hear from us, whatever. Um, and make sure to subscribe to What Can what I Do? What Can I Do? And follow us. We now have social media... Uh, accounts on very all the active. platforms and very active yeah yeah and if you have um if you have pictures of your of you and your family and friends doing activism send them to us we'll post them so we'll talk to you in Love two it. weeks bye, bye.